unable to hear from one ear. He is two weeks into a second course of chemotherapy. He had a visit from his parents this morning. The oncologist had good news. Malcolm's tumour appeared to be shrinking. An hour later, Malcolm wrote a two-word note that said, I'm sorry. He left his room and managed to crawl onto the roof through a dormer window on the fourth floor. Someone must have left the window unlocked or he found a way of opening it. There you have it. The sum total of my knowledge about a teenager who has a lot more to offer than most kids his age. I don't know if he has a girlfriend or a favourite football team or a celluloid hero. I know more about his disease than I do about him. That's why I'm struggling. My safety harness is uncomfortable under my sweater. It looks like one of those contraptions that parents strap onto toddlers to stop them running off. In this case, it's supposed to save me if I fall, as long as someone has remembered to tie off the other end. I might sound ridiculous, but that's the sort of detail that sometimes gets forgotten in a crisis. Perhaps I should shuffle back toward the window and ask someone to check. Would that be unprofessional? Yes. Sensible? Again, yes. The rooftop is speckled with pigeon droppings, and the slate tiles are covered in lichen and moss. The patterns look like fossilised plants pressed into the stone, but the effect is slick and treacherous. This probably makes no difference, Malcolm, but I think I know a little about how you're feeling, I say, trying once more to reach him. I have a disease too. I'm not saying that it's cancer, it's, it's not, and trying to make comparisons is like mixing apples with oranges. But we're still talking about fruit, Right? The receiver in my right ear begins to crackle. What in Christ's name are you doing? says a voice. Stop talking about fruit salad and get him inside. I take the earpiece out and let it dangle on my shoulder. You know how people always say, it'll be fine, everything's going to be okay. They say that because they can't think of anything else. I don't know what to say either, Malcolm. I don't even know what questions to ask. Most people don't know how to handle someone else's disease. Unfortunately, there's no book of etiquette or lists of do's and don'ts. You either get the watery-eyed, I can't bear it, I'm going to cry look, or forced jokiness and buck-up speeches. The other option is complete denial. Malcolm hasn't responded. He's staring across the rooftops as if looking out of a tiny window high up in the grey sky. His pyjamas are thin and white with blue stitching around the cuffs and collar. Between my knees, I can see three fire engines, two ambulances and half a dozen police cars. One of the fire engines has an extension ladder on a turntable. I haven't taken much notice of it until now, but I see it slowly turning and beginning to slide upward. Why would they be doing that? At the same moment, Malcolm braces his back against the sloping roof and lifts himself. He squats on the edge with his toes hanging over the gutter like a bird perched on a branch. I can hear someone screaming, and then I realise that it's me, gesticulating for them to get the ladder away. I look like the suicidal jumper, and Malcolm looks totally calm. I fumble for the earpiece and hear pandemonium inside. The critical incident team is shouting at the chief fire officer, who is shouting at his second-in-command, who is shouting at someone else. Don't do it, Malcolm! Wait! I sound desperate. Look at the ladder. It's going down. See? It's going down. 
Blood is pounding in my ears. He stays perched on the edge, curling and uncurling his toes. In profile, I can see his long, dark lashes blinking slowly. His heart is beating like a bird's within his narrow chest. You see that fireman down there with the red helmet? I say, trying to break into his thoughts. The one with all the brass buttons on his shoulders. What do you think my chances are of spitting on his helmet from here? For the briefest of moments, Malcolm glances down. It's the first time he's acknowledged anything I've said or done. The door has opened a crack. Some people like to spit watermelon seeds or, or cherry pits. In Africa, they spit dung, which is pretty gross. I read somewhere that the world record for spitting kudu dung is about 30 feet. I think kudu is a kind of antelope, but don't quote me on that. I prefer good old-fashioned saliva. And it's not about distance, it's about accuracy.